Hey, DMV comic book nerds, and especially everyone who has been following with our Riverdale Review Podcasts. I'm your host, Freddie, and today is September 2nd, 2023. And we're about to travel back in time because everything you're about to hear was originally recorded on July 7th, 2023. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another DMV comic book nerds podcast. Today, we are reviewing Riverdale Season 7, Episode 14, Chapter 131, Archie the Musical. I'm your host, Freddie, and since Riverdale is taking this week off, I'd like to uh, welcome my friend Maddie back to the podcast. Hi, Maddie. Hello. How are you doing today? Doing doing great. How are you? Doing pretty good. Um, yeah, I just wanted to get your opinions about this musical episode. Um, I, I definitely had a lot of opinions. Kennedy had a lot of opinions. Um, so what did you think? Yeah, so... I, I'm on record as always loving both the musical episodes of Riverdale and in general their their self-indulgent musical numbers. I, I just always love it because the cast is super talented and so they always make it work. Um, I was very intrigued by this being an original uh, musical as they were saying um, and I think I I really want to listen to all the songs again because, you know, some of them are, some of them I've only listened to once or twice. And really the only one that I think immediately got stuck in my head for the rest of time was um, Archie's All-American. Um, I was literally singing it I think, before I got on this call. I agree. Um, like, I, yeah. I, that one really stuck in my head to the point where I, I used it in the beginning of this podcast episode. Um, pretty catchy. Yeah, definitely that one really catchy, and yeah, written by Joe, Joe Iconis or Iconis, I'm not entirely sure um, mm-hmm. how, how his last name is pronounced, but I've, I've been a fan of him as a musical theater composer for a long time, so um, I didn't, before um, looking up the, the credits, um, which you you, ha- you thankfully sort of sent me your cheat sheet on it, I hadn't realized it was, you know, written, there were there were a lot of songs written by a bunch of different people, um, which I think sort of I wouldn't say disliked that choice, but there was something I think where I could kind of tell that the music Mm -hmm. wasn't like cohesive in the way some of the other musical episodes are, where it's all it's all sort of from the same show. Um, So yeah, I mean, my overall thoughts were I I loved I think I loved how it was incorporated into the actual episode and the plot, how meta it was (laughs) about um, how do you. How do we how do we structure a show around Archie, <laughs> this character <laughs> that everyone is like, what is Archie's defining trait? Um, whereas you know the actual, I'd say the actual music itself, I mostly was kind of like, mm, it's fine, <laughs> but which is yeah, not to not to insult any of the composers because I you know I think they were all really good songs for within the episode. I'm just I need to re-listen to more of them because they a lot of them didn't stick out to me that much on first listen, I will say. So for a musical lover's part, that part was maybe a little bit of a disappointment, but in terms of I think what the songs were doing um mm-hmm. in the in the episode, loved loved um because I loved how you got both ends, right? You you have sort of the songs that are 
like the opening song and the uh, the Valentine's song that are, you know, satirizing what is the typical um, original Archie comics formula. It's, you know, Jughead's eating a lot of food and the girls are fighting over Archie. Um, and then within the show, they're like, this is not what we're about. <laughs> What's, what, <laughs> why are you trying to make this story, Kevin? Um, so, yeah, and, yeah you go jump in. Uh, so, uh, yeah. I agree. Like, um, it was kind of a mix of songs. Some had a 50s feel and some didn't, which kind of threw me. Like, I felt from the start it was a little bit too anachronistic with a, more of a Disney Channel vibe. And mm-hmm. and then some of the songs did have a 50s vibe or maybe even a 60s vibe. But, um, you know, uh, overall, they were decent songs. Um, some I like better than others. Um uh, I gotta say that first song reminded me of the Community musical. Um, I remember the show Community did a, I think it was season three. They did a dream sequence opening where they were singing, "We're gonna finally be fine." It was a little bit tongue in cheek, a little silly. Um, it kind of reminded me of uh, this song with the Monday um, back to school thing. Have you seen that one? I have seen the community episode, although I think I've only seen it once. So I, I remember, I think, what you're talking about. Uh, but I don't remember the lyrics specifically. But yeah, very, very community. Very, um, yeah, that so that, that was an interesting thing um, that when Jughead is singing the line about, you know, we've done school four years, I feel, you know, I feel like I've been through this before. And I was kind of excited because I was like, oh, are we... I don't know. Are we closer to kind of realizing right. we're in a we're in a time dimension, and mm-hmm. doesn't quite go anywhere with that within the episode? But I was curious. Like, yeah. hmm, are they setting something up? But <laughs> yeah. Um. Another show that I think this uh, episode reminded me of is Glee. I mean, naturally, because Roberto Guerrero Casa worked on Glee. Um. I think he definitely draws inspiration from that and how they did musicals because uh candy and i talked a little bit about how there's a mix of um diegetic and non-diegetic musical performances um like some are more fantasy scenes and some are more uh actually part of uh what's going on in the plot so um yeah i i gotta say like i don't quite know if they outdid glee i mean <laughs> just because um like there's some direct comparisons here you got on glee you had um plain and britanna so you had curtain blaine Brittany, and santana as the gay and lesbian couples respectively and here we've got uh kevin clay and cheryl and tony right mm-hmm. so i mean it was kind of funny because candy and i were talking about how it's with this episode in particular, it kind of seems like um, Roberto Aguirre Sacasa is kind of coming full circle uh, because 21 years ago, he, he posted this on Instagram that he had a, um, he had a musical that he was developing um, with Matthew Dewars and uh, it didn't really go anywhere, but uh, Matthew Dewars, four of his songs are now in this episode. And then also, um, Roberto Gary Sacasa did a play about Archie called Archie's Weird Fantasy. And I was reading up about this. This was so weird. But um, basically, he made Archie gay, and Archie Comics sent him a cease and desist because they didn't like it. <laughs> and um, and he had to change all the characters' names. And uh, now he's 
chief creative officer of Archie Comics, and he made everybody gay, <laughs> and everybody's fine. <laughs> oh yeah, that was that. Yeah, that was definitely another thread that was interesting, and in that I was wondering how. That's been like a discussion, I think, for for certain <laughs> fans of Riverdale is is wondering um, is has he done the show just in a big long con to finally do like his version of Archie's weird fantasy now that he actually is in control of Riverdale and uh, the jury's still out on uh, what, what Archie's interested in, I think at this point, but um, well, we shall see how he follows up on that. Yeah. I was curious if his, the musical that he said he was sort of working on, if that was separate from Archie's weird fantasy, was it maybe going to be part of it at some point? I'm curious. Yeah, like, um, I, I definitely think that um, it was inspired by all of that. I don't know how much it changed in the production of this episode, but um, yeah, I, especially with Betty and Veronica's scene, um, you know, they they keep escalating, taking to the next level of, like, are they going to be together for real or not? Like, what did you think about that? Yeah, I know. It's, it's, I don't, I still don't quite know what to think. Um I sort of wonder if what they're actually doing is maybe laying the groundwork to uh, to to end with a you know them in a thruple with if if Betty and Veronica have this level of closeness then they can share Archie and they'll just be in a happy polyamorous relationship that might be where they're going with it um, but I also. <laughs> RG looking at Reggie and Jughead, which was allegedly a metaphor, but I kind of was like, huh. <laughs> yeah, I definitely was wondering if he was having a bi moment there. Uh, <laughs> all right, so um, one thing you had mentioned, you had asked why was Kevin uh, writing this musical? I think that um, as the episode went on, I think they did a good job of showing how Kevin was like projecting his uh, ideals of, of, you know, an all-American uh, boy onto Archie like um, like, and he's been doing this all along like uh, in the previous episode when he was trying to when he said like I want to be normal like you um, like he mm -hmm. has this idea of Archie that is kind of perfect um, maybe a little indecisive <laughs> but um, yeah they it's I was watching this episode I was trying to think you know is Archie's plot the A plot or is Kevin's plot the A plot? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's definitely like it's secretly kind of Kevin's episode, I think, that he's mm -hmm. he's really actually the driver of the episode, which I feel like makes sense and mm -hmm. of course is, you know, somewhat overdue because mm -hmm. they really Really, Kevin's character is just always a big, like, ah, sigh, the way he has yeah. been through most of the show. And so it was nice to, like, feel like we actually got things from his perspective. Um, yeah, I, I think he was really the A plot, though. Obviously, Archie has has an epiphany in his sort of B plot. Yeah, like, um, like yeah, I agree. that I think Kevin does kind of edge out Archie in terms of driving the plot of this episode and, and having the dramatic heft with everything going on with his parents but like Archie definitely does you know the, the title after Archie uh, he has several songs he makes an important decision for him <laughs> uh, in choosing poetry and standing up to Uncle Frank so um, Archie I, I think they both you know kind of have a lot going on in this episode um, I love seeing Julian as uh, Archie's understudy <laughs> Yeah, that was perfect, and that and that was how I learned that 
actor who plays Julian, I hadn't realized Gags has been a, a musical theater actor, which I mean, usually is the case, I think, for this show, but um, definitely showed that off. Do you know any other shows he's been in? I believe he was in the tour of Hades Town, is what I read. And I'm sure there's other things, but that was the most recent one I read. That's interesting. Really quickly, I, I meant to because I think we we sort of pivoted to pivoted to talking about a different song, but I I hundred percent agree with kind of the um, a little bit of the shrug of that they weren't really consistent of if they were trying to like make fifty sounding songs or not, and I was so confused by their one time trying to reference a real person and yes, not Cole Porter. So- Cole Porter and then not actually making it sound like a that Cole frustrated song. me so much. I, it just felt so easy. They could have made up a name. Like, they always make up a yeah, name. Yeah, like, Bull Torter or something. Like, I, if you're going to name drop Cole Porter that many times, you need to do a pastiche that sounds like a Cole Porter song. Like, I did end up liking the song that they had, but I'm like, there must have been a miscommunication here or a lack of time or something. Because yeah. That's just, they need a lot more pass at that script or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also wanted to ask, um, you had mentioned Joe Iconis, you're a fan of him. What are some other musicals that he's done that you're a fan of? Just curious. Yeah, so I like this really obscure one because I don't think it's actually been recorded, the soundtrack, but um, he wrote this musical called The Black Suits, which is um, which is like it's kind of a weird name for the musical, but it's, it's I think, named after the band in it. It's sort of a, it's a musical about um, like these friends who are, in, who are trying to be in like a punk band, um, and it's kind of a coming of age story. Um, there's this one song in it called Blue Hair, which I feel like if you look on YouTube, you can find a lot of people singing it, and it's a good audition song. Um, and then he's most known um, for Be More Chill. Um, yeah, I think I've heard not su- I, I'm only a little bit familiar with that because I've never seen the actual uh, show, but yeah. Um, yeah, I just, he, he writes good, <laughs> he writes good character songs, um, and it's got, you know, a modern feel, but also, I'd say, kind of a classical pop sound um, that makes it, you know, not feel too modern sometimes. It was kind of funny, I saw him on Twitter, he was kind of caught by <laughs> surprise that the, uh, that his song was in the episode. <laughs> yeah, that was so funny, which, I mean, and then I think they, he clarified, because it makes sense that, um, it, it all goes through like you know the record label so it's mm-hmm. not like they're on to ask him specifically because mm-hmm. technically they're licensing it from his agent or something yeah, like, but they did I, go through the process and they did yeah right. he made sure to be like no one took anything yeah. <laughs> i just didn't realize yeah that's funny um yeah one thing i complained to candy about i was like i am a little annoyed that this episode kind of recycles the same Kevin plot we have in every musical episode where he's, you know, uh, trying to put on a show against the principal's wishes and and he's always disappointed at the end. Like, what did you think? Did you notice that? Yeah, I mean, I think it, in the episode, well, yeah, that was sort of what was interesting is that I how much of that was really tying into the last episode, which I mean, the reference of him being like, you know, we just had our brush with communists and we can't (laughs) do anything too new and interesting. Um, And I think it's also, I think it's real. I sort of mentioned this when I did my write up that um, I do worry. I was like, I think this episode's a little too uh, like, too referential to what it's like to create new musical theater which you know most people aren't out here uh, workshopping Broadway so they don't they don't like get the joke um but like I, not, 
certainly not 50s teens. <laughs> exactly. So it's like it, 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 yeah, I agree that it's a little bit of a rehash of Kevin, but I almost don't know. I wonder if they didn't even realize that because I think they were just trying to make a joke about how they're like, oh, yeah, you can't make an original musical. Mm-hmm. It's like it's got to be based on, you know, an existing thing. Uh, but again, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that joke's for, <laughs> joke's for like five people watching. Mm-hmm. It's not really. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it made sense in mm-hmm. the universe that the principal was like no because <laughs> it really kevin's kind of gotten to get away with some musicals in the other seasons even though there was opposition or i think it's been a while i forget exactly what happened in season four with hedwig it was the same thing mr honey was like no i'm not allowing this musical and then and, they just did it anyways I think, well they, or... they kept trying to do it like they kept showing him previews thinking they could change him his change his mind which no <laughs> <laughs> so they ended up doing it as a variety show in, in uh, Veronica's. Bon yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I guess you just need an engine for the musical. And this is kind of a consistent trait of Kevin's. Like, he wants to be the one uh, directing musicals. And that's fine, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's it, this definitely was an episode that felt... It felt really, I mean, I, I know a lot of people have been saying most of this season kind of feels, it feels a little disconnected episode to episode. They're a little, like, self-contained. Um, but this one, this one definitely felt the most, like, I don't know, like, it kind of almost didn't have anything to do with <laughs> what was going on in the rest of the season. Um, but I just was, like, chalked that up to it being kind of the musical episode. So it, yeah, it like- sort of. It sort of stops thing. Well, and it and it totally follows the like it follows up on the Veronica Betty like development. So it's not totally removed from the other episodes. But it was it did feel weird because why does Kevin want yeah. 1950s Kevin wants to do that? Mm-hmm. Speaking of Betty and Veronica, I, I do also want to mention another Glee comparison. Their scene very much like did you watch Glee? I did, yeah. I, I, wa- I watched at least, I think, the first two seasons. <laughs> I think okay. I might have stopped after that. But You might not get this reference, but the Betty Veronica scene really reminded me, I think it was season three, there was this scene with um, Rachel and Quinn. Uh, they were kind of uh, bonding over the fact that Rachel needed surgery on her nose, and Quinn had had a nose job prior, because um, I think Rachel got hit with a football on the face, kind of like Marsha on the Brady Bunch. Uh, long story short, like they were bonding, they were singing a song. I think they were singing Unpretty, like an acoustic version. Mm-hmm. And and also at the same time, I think Quinn was like having flashbacks to when she ran for school president. And back in the day, she was actually um, more heavyweight, like more like nerdy and like not as popular. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and when I describe this, it just sounds really like ridiculous. But um and it, maybe it was, but um, it definitely had the same vibe as this song, I think. Except this one, you know, of course, ends with a much more intimate, powerful moment between the two of them. Betty and Veronica, that is. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Glee, yeah. <laughs> I, I, one day I'm like, maybe maybe I'll reevaluate Glee the way, the way I reevaluate Riverdale. But I, I think Glee kind of was a little too... Uh, focused on its own success, maybe, in comparison to something like Riverdale. <laughs> well, I will say, I think Roberto Aguirre Sacasa came on Glee in that season, season three. Ah, okay. I think and so, yeah, maybe I didn't know what I was missing. <laughs> yeah, like, um, I mean, I will say for me, it's a hard show to revisit uh, in 2023 with everything that's happened since. But um, it definitely was one of my favorite shows at the time. 
So I'm just hoping that uh, Riverdale ages better than Glee did for me. Like, <laughs> like I mean, I, I mean, I still love Glee for what they were able to do, and and like, um, you know, I think a lot of it still is entertaining to watch, but um, there was just a lot of death and a lot of behind the scenes drama mm-hmm. that uh, as a fan makes it hard to watch. And like with Riverdale, I'm just hoping and praying that they don't end up having some scandals after the fact or some, some major deaths that, that make it just painful to watch. You know? Yeah, yeah. Not knock on wood and mm-hmm. it, it feels like following the cast and all their um, all their Instagram posts. It seems like everyone really, really feels fondly about each other. So that hopefully is a good sign. But yes, let's we won't won't jinx it. Yeah, fingers crossed. All right. Well, uh, any other final thoughts? Um nope. I'm I realize that there's only I think six more episodes and I have no idea what is gonna happen in them. So, you know, I'm just I'm along for the ride as always. All right, me too. Um I did kinda wanna ask you, um, I think you've mentioned last time you were on the show that uh you mentioned the Buffy musical. Is that right? Mm-hmm. I, yes. was, I was wondering if there's any other T V musicals or just musicals in general that you wanted to compare this to or or shout out. Oh sure, yeah. I you know I'm there. I feel like there was another musical episode of a TV show that it really reminded me of. Not not the Buffy one actually. Although I mean I'm a little biased because I think I think the Buffy musical is one of the best original musicals. Um, you know, created by a monster, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, you know, the musical's still really good. Um, I feel like um. I, it's it's sort of a different genre, but I feel like I always recommend people checking out the um, uh, the Scrubs musical if they've never seen it. If, I was if they've thinking seen the any same. other ones, yeah, yeah, because I remember the Scrubs musical. They did a song from Greece, right? Amongst others, I think so. And yeah, and they have a few original songs mm-hmm. too. Yeah, um, like, and I feel it was like yeah. Remember. Anything? That one's fun. I, I think when people, if people like kind of the, I think the satirical presentation of some of the Riverdale ones, that they would definitely like that episode, mm-hmm. I think. Um, there's also, um, and then it, this is sort of random, but in terms of, in terms of like other musicals. So yeah, I had kind of gone down the rabbit hole to double check. I was like, oh, how many, like how many musicals has Roberto actually been involved with? And really it's just that he sort of tried to fix and rewrite Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. Of I saw that. Flop. Yeah. Um, and obviously because he has the comic book um, background. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, the American Psycho musical, which they obviously uh, did songs from in season six. And for some reason, I was shocked that he wasn't somehow involved with one of my favorite musicals, which is this musical called Bear, spelled B-A-R-E. Um, I've heard of that. Colon, a pop opera. Um, it's very, it feels like Ke- it's Kevin's dream musical to direct, in my opinion. <laughs> so I'm sort of sad they never, they never uh, got a version. There's not a version of the show where people know what that is, because that's why they've never done it. But if, if it was made for me, they would do it. Um, it's just really good. Um, it's like really good music. It's very, um, I mean, it's very like um, melodramatic, I believe. Um, it's, you know, it's about teenagers. It's about teenagers in a repressive Catholic school, gay teenagers, other teenagers. So, you know, it's got it's got angst and I'm sure there's parts of it that haven't aged super, super duper well because I saw it in 2009, I think. Mm-hmm. But it's definitely 
I always thought, I was like, I wish Kevin would direct Bear. I feel like that's like his dream show to direct in my mind. So um, check that out and um, just Google like Joe Iconis, um, I feel like, and see if you like his music. Yeah, like um, what you said about Bear kind of also reminds me of Spring Awakening, you know, another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very similar. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you have some queer or or, or uh, almost queer storyline. You got uh, yeah, it's a little in dicey and sprinkly, <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's, it's there. But it's teens also... dealing with oppression and sexual awakening. Yeah, yes, exactly. Very that's spring awakening, pastoral, bare thunder, which is is all right. But um, yeah, <laughs> um, I also want to mention. I think I noticed the little singing in the rain homage in this episode when Archie was like at the Babylonian outside on the streets, he was dancing around the telephone pole or the or the street light. Oh yeah, yeah. I loved, I loved how they did all the fantasy sequences. It was definitely, it was, it was very well, uh, well directed. Um, mm-hmm. I'm definitely a fan of, of pretty much. Yeah, I think how they did most of the songs. Agreed. Like, um, I honestly think I was a little bit hard on this this episode in my first review, uh, just because it was so fresh and like I had a lot of opinions because I, I, um, I you know just yeah, I had a lot of high expectations for the musical episode, um. But looking back on it, I think there's a lot that I appreciate about it, even if it didn't quite live up to those expectations I had. So I had given it a six, but I think I'm going to give it maybe, I'm going to be generous and give it an eight. Ooh, yeah. I was wondering what, I was wondering what you rated it. Um, what about you? Yeah, I, I kind of think I'd give it a seven mm-hmm. sort of in between your original and your reevaluation um just because yeah I, I think it's because I just really didn't have that much to say about it or you know it's, it's not it's not that kind of one that made me like think about a lot of things mm-hmm. um so much and you know sometimes that's fine but with Riverdale it's more fun when there's um I think it's because yeah like it kind of narrows the cast. I mean, Jughead and Reggie, like, lampshadedly are like, oh, we're not going to be a part of this. And it's like, oh, no, but I like when all the characters are a part of it. I think that was, I think that was kind of my disappointment is that I like the focus on Kevin. Um, but, yeah, it's like, oh, it's just mostly Kevin, Archie, a little bit of Betty and Veronica. And then, yeah, kind of the rest of the cast is a little <laughs> just there for window dressing. I mean, to that point, I kind of, um, Kay and I talked about how how honestly we're, we were kind of bored by some of the Kevin Clay scenes, um, like the song with Kevin Clay and, and Cheryl and Tony. I mean, like it was good. It just wasn't great. Like there's like, uh, I feel like it's, they were a little too on the nose with some things or a little too uh, uh, safe or a little too, um, I don't know. Like it was, it was weird because like I was trying to think like, like honestly, I don't see a lot of you know queer interracial relationships on in musicals. Uh, maybe there's a couple, but like um, you know, I feel like the amount that we had in this episode is definitely um, atypical of shows. Um, so like I had to give them, I have to give them points for trying, you know. But I also at the same time, I'm like, uh, I don't know. I just. I think there's an issue that comes with presenting a relationship that's supposed to be healthy, like Kevin and Clay. Like everyone talks about how great their relationship is, mm-hmm. and like they don't really have a lot of drama, um, and that's fine. It's good for them. Like it's, you know, sometimes you want to see healthy relationships on TV, but like, does that have to come at the cost of it being interesting? I don't know. 
What do you think? Yeah, I definitely, I definitely feel you there. And I feel like, yeah, this episode, I really, um, I mean, you're, it's been consistent in the other episodes where they sort of, um, they sort of just handled any potential conflict with Kevin and Clay off screen. Cause yeah, there's that earlier episode where, you know, Clay is talking about, well, you know, Kevin and I like address and acknowledge the differences in our like relative power and things like that. And I'm like, oh, well, that would be a cool scene to see. Why don't you write that scene into the show? And yeah, I think Kevin, or I think Clay says I love you in this episode, which I don't think had happened in, in the previous episodes. At least I don't remember it, but I was kind of like, oh, really? <laughs> I don't know. I was like, yeah, I mean, I guess you love each other. I don't know. You guys are just, yeah, like it's, they don't, they don't have a very interesting dynamic as like what's been established, um, which makes it less interesting to watch. Um, and yeah, so that was, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I, I have a lot of opinions about this. I, I really feel like, um, like, like I've said before, I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Kevin in the first place, uh, just because I feel like his character can be a little, uh, annoying or, uh, um, uh, easily influenced at times, but with Clay, you know, I like that they've been trying to develop him and give him more time, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know that we've seen uh, any of his uh, struggles yet, like, um, and maybe that's, maybe that's for the best, because like sometimes with African-American characters, it's like, we don't want, we don't want to see them struggling all the time. (laughs) But at the same time, uh, I don't know. I, I'd like to see s- something. I'd like to see a little more conflict or a little mm-hmm. more, a little more testing of their relationship. Just because I feel like in the fifties, I don't know it would, if it would be as easy as it comes across. I'm like, like on the one hand, you want Kevin to like after s- six seasons of failed relationships and insecurities. You kind of want him to have a happy ending, maybe, but mm-hmm. but on the flip side, it's like, so they've written in this new character to be his happy ending. How much depth can they give a character like Clay? Like, he's gotten more than I guess Heather at this point. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, so I have two thoughts about that. I mean, yeah, I I hundred percent agree with what you're saying. So especially with the last part, yeah, you you named I think kind of what I was about to say, which is that I think they've kind of set themselves in a not a trap that's I mean it's kind of a trap though they've sort of set themselves up for a little bit of a trap because yeah like they they were like well we need to deliberately I guess contrast how Kevin and his relationships have been kind of in the rest of the show because yeah it's all been messy it's all been it's all been very um yeah a lot of angst in his previous relationships so they're like okay let's you know slate clean now he's gonna have a healthy relationship but yeah I mean they but with with someone who is black which is like a totally different situation than any of Kevin's previous relationships um so yeah and um the other thing I was gonna say is that um have you have you read have you heard of this theory about Clay at all Mm, what theory I read I, I I forget which comment in like one of the reddit discussions but um of someone theorizing that maybe he's another guardian angel kind of like, like Tabitha uh, which is its own bad trope yes, that I, it's like why I would hate that Yeah so like, I hope I, that's not what it is <laughs> Yeah I've said earlier this season I'm really tired of the trope of like the magical negro or like the 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 one who comes in to like help 
you know, all the white people to teach them the way. Like, I'm like, like, why, is, why do the black people have to work so hard to have a place in this show? Like, like they literally had to make Tabitha not only a time travel person, but an angel to like, to justify her place in the show because she was another late addition to the show. Like, we love Tabitha, we love play, but uh, let them be normal characters. Like, they don't necessarily need to be, uh, you know, uh, perfect, you know, perfect angels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I, I really hope that's not where they're going with yeah. it. Um, and like, but, at least with know. Tony, they've, they've kind of given her more um, depth, I think, out of the three of the, of the African-American characters who are currently on the show. Um, yeah, like she's getting, she's gotten a lot more depth, I think, than, uh, than they would have given her prior to the 2020 George Floyd protests. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and, and Vanessa Morgan, like, calling them out on yeah. uh, how they'd written it, her yeah. character. Yeah, like, I think they, they've made a, a, um, a, a valiant effort to turn that around since 2020 and all that, when all that went down. But, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be a perfect show. Uh, it's definitely not a perfect musical, but I enjoy it for what it is. Um, so I'll stick with my eight ranking now because like, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm going to keep it there. Um, one more musical I wanted to mention, like, if people like musicals, check out Schmigadoon. Uh, it's an Apple TV show. They just did their second season. It was great. Uh, very referential to lots of classic musicals. Um, seasons one and two. It's a good time. It's a comedy. So I highly recommend that to people if uh, they haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah, it's on my list. I haven't I haven't watched it yet, but um, definitely, definitely going to watch it soon. All right. Um Let's see. I do kind of want to ask you, how would you rank all the Riverdale musicals? Ooh, ah, this is very good. Um, I, I feel like I should rewatch them, but yeah, if I'm, I will only do a ranking sort of based, <laughs> based on my memory. Um, I, so I think my gut is telling me that I think number one is is number one actually to me, and this is probably just biased because of like I have positive feelings about the source material. Is I really love the next to normal episode, and I I love it because they actually it's totally like uh, non diegetic. <laughs> they're just they're just singing those songs, and they don't have the whole explanation of oh Kevin's doing a show or we're yeah we're doing we're doing a performance here. It just, well, it well, just happens. Well, I gotta say like I I also really love that episode, and um, the diegetic part was that um, Alice was listening to it nonstop. <laughs> oh, you're right. Oh, I forgot about that. Which, <laughs> well, yeah, yes. There is a setup. Weird choice because like they're, they, they say that it's like an uh, in-universe musical that they're familiar with. Ooh, and yet ooh, there's the songs as like in reference to what's going on in the show. Like, and, and Kenny and I talk about this. Like, it's kind of, like the, Riverdale's always oddly straddling that line between diegetic and non-diegetic. It's like, it doesn't really make sense when you think about it, but it, it it's fun. It's fun TV to watch. 
<laughs> yes, I I do think that's a fair that's a fair question and analysis of it. Um, but yeah, I think I just I I I remember cackling when they have Cheryl um singing "Didn't I See This Movie" and, mm-hmm. and referencing uh Pazuzu, and st- I was just like, what a great reinterpretation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, it's a little. It is a little, uh, it is a little questionable in terms of what is the plane of reality that we work on. But that one is, I would say, that's my favorite. Um, from just, I really like the music, and I think they use it well of like exploring the like emotions of the characters. Um, and then I think that of the the productions, the the um, the, the high school ones, um, probably my next favorite would be uh, the Heather's one um because because well, midge isn't murdered which i think sort of ruins the character yeah for me it's just it's just a bummer um, yeah. and i really like uh i really like uh the the betty jughead uh duetting on 17 before it it's sort of everybody um it's yeah i think that one really just like uses the songs to to parallel again with what's going on in a good way um and then, to be honest, I like yeah, I'm like it kind of is blurring together with me of 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 season four and season six. And season six probably is like the least my least favorite one, just because it's kind of like mm-hmm. what, why, why? It's just because Roberto wrote the book for American Psycho. I think. Yeah, it was kind of weird. <laughs> like, what are we doing here? Um, and then yeah, so it's sort of I'm sort of tied in my mind with Carrie and Hedwig. Um, just in that I kind of don't remember I uh, clearly I forgot a lot about what happened in season four um Carrie the musical I'm like kind of weirdly obsessed with so like I definitely really like the music from that one but um yeah why why why'd they have to kill Midge yeah I completely agree with a lot of what you just said um like I I don't think I gave my ranking uh when I was talking to Kennedy so I'll give it now um I will say number one did you did you list um the, this Archie musical in, in your list? Oh no, I didn't. I was ranking. Okay, so if I am thinking where I would put this, I would probably put this. Um, I think I would put this at number two. Actually, I'd put it behind next to normal because I just really like that one. But um, this would probably be number two over um over the the sort of high school musical ones. <laughs> That's fun. Um, so I guess for me, off the top of my head, I'm gonna say. Number one would be, ooh, this is harder than I thought. Um, hmm. Well, first, let me say, there's stuff that I like and there's stuff that I don't like about all the musicals. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, like none of them are perfect. Um, like, I'd say that the Carrie one, like you said, it was great up until they killed Midge. Um, and then if they did kill Midge, I kind of wanted Ethel to be behind it, not the Black Hood. It's because I feel like that made more sense. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, I really loved Carrie, though, when, when it came out. Like, especially I, to this day, I'm kind of obsessed with, like, the You Shine songs. Um, and, the, like, they deleted the one and like, it just had, it was good. But anyway, this is not a ranking. I'm just kind of sorting through it in my head. Like, the, the season three... Heathers was iconic with, uh, you know, Betty, Veronica, Cheryl playing the Heathers and um, and the 17 song, you know, that was a huge standout for that season. Um, Hedwig, I really loved a lot of the songs in Hedwig. Uh, not all of them, but most of them. 
you know, I love Next to Normal. I feel like that was one of the best episodes of season five. It really uh, brought a lot of depth to that season. Almost more than it deserves because like this. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) Because when I went back and actually listened to the soundtrack for Next to Normal, I was like, oh, and I read up about the plot. I was like, oh. (laughs) And like some of it, like, like Alice singing, like, I miss the mountains. I'm like, they totally missed the context of that song. <laughs> yeah, that one, that one, that one's a little strange. And yeah, I, oh, yeah, oh, oh, Alice. <laughs> like, little, little stuff like that. But, um, but Betty's, Betty was on fire that episode. Um, and I really love the finale, like, There Will Be Light. Um, like, that's, that to me was one of a really powerful moment for Riverdale to have because usually so much darkness in Riverdale. Um, you know, it, the way that they were all coming together at the funeral of Polly to kind of sing it about their hopes for the future is it, it was beautiful. Um, season six, I did not really care for the American Psycho musical, so that's at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, they were agreed on that one. <laughs> season seven, um, so like I said, it's it's growing on me. It's still fresh in my mind. It only aired um two days ago, but. I get. I, I I gotta give them props for effort because it like like they said it's hard to do an original musical, and I think everyone did a valiant effort. Like uh, you can we can argue the quality, but now but I just really respect the fact that they finished it and they put it out there and and we can uh, try to enjoy it. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely gonna give it some re-listens. I know I'm already, I already don't. I think I might swap it and Heather's. I think I would put maybe Archie the Musical at three, the Heather's at two, and Next Normal at one. That's kind of my one, two, three ranking. So I'm, I'm gonna just go ahead and I think I'm just gonna put everything in the same category, and then then I'll put. American Psycho underneath that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, um, cause like I said, like, there's stuff that I like and don't like about all of them. Um, I think, I can't really just, I can't really rank the rest of the season, so I'll just put them all in that one category of stuff that I like. But I also want to give a shout out to the Josie and the Pussycats episode, because, like, that was a good example of a musical episode that was mostly diegetic. Like, mm-hmm. because they're a band, like, they're actually having a reason to play these songs. <laughs> uh, I mean, there were a few fantasy scenes, I think. But in general, I just love Josie and the Pussycats so much. And I miss them. And I wish that they had gotten a spinoff show. And I think I heard a rumor that Ashley Murray might show up before the season's over. Fingers crossed. I, yeah, I have also heard that rumor. And, um, yeah, I hope. Uh, I hope she, I hope she got paid a lot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because she's she's like too good almost. <laughs> yeah, she, she deserves the best. Um, so yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, but yeah, I think that's kind of like one of Riverdale's stealth musicals because like it doesn't really get considered as musicals. I think it came like really close to the next to normal episode, like maybe two episodes before or after. I can't remember. Yeah, it was interesting because I was, when I was thinking about season five, I almost was like, oh, right, like they have the Josie and the Pussycats episode. And I was like, well, that's kind of a musical. And then the next normal episode, I almost like thought in my mind, I'm like, oh, because like they didn't do the whole, they didn't do a lot of the musical, but they did do a lot of next to normal. So that was a pretty full episode too. Yeah. I mean, I gotta say, um, another point for the 
Return of the Pussycats episode, it was an original musical to a degree. I mean, well, they did a lot of cover songs, and they also finally did their version of the original Josie and the Pussycats theme song. But I do recall, I think some of the Pussycats got to, like, actually wrote original songs for this episode. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that one doesn't get enough credit, so... I'll throw that in there. All right. Well, I think that's about it, unless you have anything else you'd like to add. Nope. Um, that, that is all. And <laughs> thanks for thanks for indulging as we went a little long. But <laughs> Likewise. Thank you, uh, Maddie, for, for joining me to uh, share your thoughts about uh, the musical episodes of Riverdale. Would you like to plug your blog again? Yes, you can find me on Substack. Um, I'm writing a recap of the season of Riverdale and called Dispatches from the Riverdale Register. Awesome. Yes, it's a great um, blog. I've, I've been keeping up with it. So everybody go check that out. And thanks to everyone listening. If you enjoyed this DMV Comic Book Nerds podcast and would like to hear more, please like, subscribe, rate, and review us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Also, search for DMV Comic Book Nerds or DMV CBN on Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and League of Comic Geeks, and you should be able to find us. Your feedback and engagement means so much to us. Catch you next time, Riverdalians. Can you dig it? Bye. Bye. Bye.